Hello and welcome to this EMJ podcast, where we will discuss how dose-dense chemoresection with mitomycin C can help to avoid invasive procedures in patients with intermediate-risk non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. My name is Sue Saville, an independent medical journalist, and this podcast is brought to you in association with MEDAC. I'm delighted to welcome Professor Jan Jensen, who is Professor at the Department of Clinical Medicine in the Department of Urology, Aarhus University in Denmark, also Chairman of the Danish Bladder Cancer Group and the Nordic Urothelial Cancer Research Group, a member of the European Association of Urology Guideline Panels, among many other professional affiliations. Professor Jensen focuses his clinical studies on all aspects of bladder cancer, from diagnosis, treatment and follow-up, through to the development of more gentle and effective operating methods, and also the rehabilitation of patients after major surgery. Professor Jensen, welcome. Very good to have you with us. Thank you very much, Sue. I'm, I'm very delighted to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, just to start off, to give a bit of context, I understand that molecular studies indicate that bladder cancer is a, a biphasic disease. That is, it can comprise both the visible lesions, which can be surgically removed, as well as perhaps the less evident precancerous field effect of genetically and epigenetically altered but normal appearing urothelium. So do you believe that mitomycin C chemoresection may have an impact on the natural history of the disease beyond those legions that are visible? Well, thank you for that question. Well, yeah, obviously it has. Uh, we know that installation therapy is, is, is a, a good way of, of treating, especially patients with more widespread disease than is visible for the eye. Uh, the pe peculiar thing about uh, bladder cancer, especially superficial bladder cancer, is that uh, we have these patients where they recur again and again, uh, we also have some patients that have a first-time lesion, maybe a second, and then it sort of phases out. And they are probably not that prone to have disease uh, widespread in, in the urothelium uh, that's uh, covering lineage of, of the bladder, um, as the other patients have. But, but we have those patients where even though you remove all visible tumor, uh, they continue to have it. So they have like what we call field disease. They have a, a sick... Uh, mucosa in, in the bladder. Um, and for that, uh, we need something else than surgery, uh, definitely. We, we, and mitomycin is, is one of the things we have. Um, we have a very old tradition of also using BCG, so that's like tuberculosis vaccine. Put it up in the bladder uh, to, to start some kind of uh, immune response. Um, whereas mitomycin C is, is known as a chemotherapeuticum, um, but maybe also has some, some influence on the immune system locally. So, so you've run and helped to run a big study on this. What was the motivation? What was it all about? What was the design motivation to set this up? Well, the motivation was that uh, we have been maybe slightly conservative, uh, not only in Denmark, but in, in most part of the urological society to implement the installation therapy. We know that the studies are, are out there showing that if you take all patients with tumors and treat all of them with surgery up front, removal of the tumor, and then give them installation therapy, well, some of the recurrences can be avoided. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll hit some of these uh, visible or invisible recurrences uh, upcoming there. 
Um, but another thing about doing that is we also know, as I said, there are those patients that never have a recurrence. So basically, as a urologist, you not know whether the patient you have in front of you is, is, is one who will be having a recurrence or not. Um, if they uh, have a recurrence, we know uh, it would have been a good idea to give them mitomycin C or something uh, other installation, but we do not know that up front. So we have been a bit reluctant on giving all this because it's, it's logistically uh, heavy and it's, it's costly, and it also gives some side effects. Um, so I, I guess our indication of not giving it as often as, as shown in the guidelines has been that we think it's, it's slightly over-treatment. Um, so, so basically, we have not been using it that much. Uh, but, but then the idea of giving it uh, to patients that actually have a recurrence um, was first shown uh, in an Italian study some years ago where, where they, they investigated two types of, of uh, installation therapy in patients who had a recurrent tumor um, and, and proved that you could actually remove some of these tumors just by the chemo, uh, chemotherapy. Um, and that gave us the idea of showing in a randomized trial that you could, you could reduce your number of surgeries uh, by this strategy instead of doing as we usually would do, surgery up front and then giving chemotherapy. Could you na- name the study and tell me then about the key findings and you touch on safety and side effects and, and the efficacy for patients treated in this way? Yeah, it's, it's called the, the Danish bladder cancer study number 13. It's uh, Deblecke 13, um, where we, we randomized patients from going from what we at least should have been doing all the time uh, in the standard arm. So that was patients with a recurrent tumor uh, that looked superficial. We did the resection of the tumor and then gave the installation therapy uh, according to guidelines. Uh, in the other group, we turned it uh, the other way around. So we gave the installation first. And then instead of just going to surgery for all patients, we did an evaluation by just looking in the bladder to see if, uh, if the tumor had disappeared. We, we, we knew that it would do that in some, um, some of these patients, at least if we believed the, the previous studies on it. But what was not shown in the previous study was well, how did it go afterwards in, in these patients? Um, because long-time results have never been published in, in the previous studies. And opponents to, to, to the strategy said, well, there must be a reason why it's not published. It's, it's because you can, you can reduce the tumor size so you do not see it, and then it'll pop out again, and you have not done, uh, done anything good. So we designed a study to show that you actually could reduce the number of patients in need for for surgery also after long-time follow-up. Um, so they were randomized between the standard or where we turned it around and only did uh, surgery in those in need for it because they didn't have a, a full effect. Um, and, and another good thing about that is if you take a patient and give them installation after surgery and they do not have a recurrence, you actually do not know whether it was because of the chemo or they would never have had the recurrence anyway. In this way, we could also see, you could say almost live, whether the patient had a tumor that responded to, to chemotherapy, because we know that some of the tumors do not respond at all to chemotherapy. So we could point out the patients who had a recurrence, but we could also do the follow-up. 
we, we, we could see that up front, more than half of the patients where we did the chemo first, we could avoid the, the primary uh, resection. Um, so that was a good finding. Already there, we spared half of the surgery. But also after uh, two years of follow-up, we could see that in, in that, that specific um, group of patients, they still didn't have a recurrence in the majority of these patients. So it was a lasting result also. Um, so so I, I, I believe that in the end, we can say that this is actually a, a, a very uh, good strategy and it's safe also. So you outlined there some of the, the key benefits and to hear that over half of the patients then might have avoided surgery clearly benefits for the patients and indeed for the urologists. But what about the subgroup then of some of these patients who might might benefit? How do you work out which groups are, are, are going to benefit most? Well, that's actually the very interesting part because when we looked at the, the patients following two years of, of follow-up, we could see that those patients that didn't have a response to, to chemotherapy up front, uh, even though we did a resection in those patients, they tended to uh, recur almost all of them. Whereas in the patients where we had the response up front, uh, the majority did not have a, a recurrence. So that, this leads us to, to, to selecting patients where they... Do not if they do not respond to, to the chemotherapy installation, well, there they have proven that they are also high uh, recurrence risk patients. Uh, so we have to give them another installation. In the control group, you cannot see which patients would be fit for additional uh, therapy. Not after, well, of course you can do it if they recur after chemo uh, installation there also, but you have to wait much longer and wait the next recurrence. Maybe we could avoid that in the future, but just looking at the patients, well, if you do not respond to it, you'll still have your T or B, your resection, instead of having that up front, nothing lost there. And you can follow up straight away with uh, another kind of installation. That's at least our theory that we can select patients for for a better um, installation, more personalized installation based on this uh, selection. So then is there a specific benefit, a value that you could give to using this therapy in the presence of tumor cells? Well, there's, there's probably both an, uh, a, a direct and indirect advantage of using it in this regimen where you do it before surgery or before a potential surgery. First of all, you, you put it in an uh, unharmed bladder. Uh, of course, you have the tumor there, but you have not made surgery just before and then install uh, chemotherapy afterwards. That will First of all, you have to have healing in the bladder before you can install it, or it'll do more harm than good. Um, but, but also, so it will not be delayed. But what we could also see in the study that was uh, they had a more beneficial side effect profile by giving it a, in advance instead of, of giving it in a, a, a recently operated bladder. Um, another thing could be that if you have very few tumor cells left in your field effect after surgery, well, um, if there's a response depending on the presence of, of tumor cells, that'll be less than if you have the, the tumor still there. So, so more or less uh, two, two different, uh, at least potential uh, benefits. And we could prove in the study that the side effect profile was at least not just a theoretical benefit, but a, a true clinical uh, benefit. 
And, and from your experience, then, when is the best time to assess the, the patient for a complete response? Well, um, what we also learned in, in our study was that uh, at first we were aiming at evaluating one month after uh, the, the installations, but we found that that was a bit premature because even though the cells had died, the structure of, of the tumor was still there, uh, but it looked like a, a mummified tumor. So, so instead of going for the resection straight away, we, you, we changed it to an evaluation after two months also. Uh, and could see that the, the full response um, was visible there uh, two months later. So, so our current strategy in, in patients, if we offer them this, this uh, treatment with the dose-dense regimen, is to, to give the installations and then wait two months before evaluation. And are there any reasons you could identify for a delayed response? Well, it's, it's probably a question of you also induce uh, an immune response. Uh, we know that if you, if you give the mitomycin, some of the cells will die, and that would probably stimulate your immune system to, to come up with a, a second hit on the tumor, not only the, the chemotherapeutic response first, but also a more late um, immune response. The same immune response um, we basically know from BCG with a local immune response, but probably on another mechanism here. Um, so, so that will give you the, the, the upcoming response in the months after. And so, as you were saying, you've still got the option of invasive surgery if need be. So with the experience you've got with this study, where do you see mitomycin C chemo resection in the current algorithm about treating intermediate risk patients in this way? Well, we looked at this uh, study uh, in, in the Danish guideline group that has implemented. It's also implemented in the European guidelines, mostly for patients unfit for surgery in, in the European. But, but based on our, our, our study in, in the Danish guidelines, we, we recommended as an uh, equal good uh, treatment option for intermediate risk uh, patients that if they have not had mitomycin C before, especially if it's patients with multiple small tumors where you know they are real good candidates for this, uh, we recommend them to, to undergo this treatment upfront um, and then uh, only surgery if, if uh, not responsive. You talked about having to follow patients longer term. Do you have plans uh, regarding any follow-up study? Um, and if so, who would you target? How would you design that trial? What endpoints would you be looking for? Well, um, the, the original endpoint in our Danes bladder cancer study number 13 was not a recurrent rate. Uh, we should have had more patients for that. So we did that as a reduction in, in a number of procedures. And that was very successful here, I must say. Um, so so our, our plan now is to, to make a larger study. We would like also to include more sensors. Uh, it was... Uh, it was basically two centers uh, participating in, in our previous study, but we'd like to uh, include more, uh, more centers also to make it more uh, reliable, you could say, from a scientific point of view, that um, it's not only proven in, in a few centers, but you can see it more globally. Um, so we'd like to do that, but also implement our, our knowledge from this study that we had not expected, uh, but this uh, fact that patients with a response are very long-term respondents, whereas non-responders 
apparently are really non-responders and in need of something else and maybe benefit from from bcd installation afterwards so so we'd like to to add the bcd to to this arm where uh, we have only been um, giving the, the the installation before surgery and then bcd afterwards uh, with that we hope to to be able to reduce the recurrence rate in that group also and then we can compare the recurrences to to the current standard well if you're going to do that trial i hope you're going to come back and tell us about that in the future well we're actually planning on starting it uh, within the, the next year or so and of course it'll take some years unfortunately to 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 have all these uh, patients going through um, including and also of course we need the long-term follow-up otherwise it'll just be uh, preliminary data but but I'm, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> well thank you so much Professor Jörn Jensen for those insights it's been great talking to you. Likewise, thank you. And for our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, getting these insights into treating patients with recurrent non-muscle invasive cancer, do head over to emjreviews.com. The website there has plenty more podcasts and webinars on a whole range of topics for you to dip into. Meanwhile, from me, Sue Saville, thank you. Goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.